Welcome, welcome everyone to the Simon Dan podcast, the place where science and conspiracy collide. One well, episode thirteen, I hashed up the number last week. Um, it wasn't episode eleven; it was episode twelve. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, my little co-host is once again gracing us with his presence. He has recently formed a new Phil Collins tribute band, Exodus. It's Cats. <laughs> Welcome, buddy. How you doing? You all right? I'm doing really well, but you shouldn't have said it was number 13. You know how uh, superstitious I get, mate? I'm going to be on 10 talks now. What is going to go wrong? Uh, it'll be fine. You're not superstitious. It'll be fine. Anyway, anyway, have you got snow? Have you got snow? I, I get really excited about snow because we don't get any here on the South Coast. And we, and we had like a fine dusting on Monday, last Monday, and I was super excited. What about you up north? You get lows, don't you? We, we have actually had quite a bit of snow, yeah. yeah. For the first time in a long time, I was stuck on the estate. I couldn't get off. But uh, also, we're not allowed to go anywhere anyway, so it didn't make a difference <laughs> yeah. to me. Um, it was no co- inconvenience whatsoever. But we did, yeah, we got quite a bit. It's going to be so... I, our guest is, is literally stuck in the middle of snow at the moment. He's, he's probably so bored of snow, but I get super excited about it because we literally get none whatsoever. So let's bring our, let's bring our guest on. Joining this week is, uh, this week is one of the regular hosts of the Atheist Experience, prolific debater and member of the atheist community of Austin, Matt Dillahunty. Welcome and thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing? You right? I'm all right. Absolutely my pleasure. Apologies in advance. I have a new puppy who is not potty trained who may make an appearance on occasion or knock down a green screen. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. We were just chatting before. Freak. Yeah, we were just chatting before. Weather, I, I've got a uh, I've got a Maine Coon who's he's uh, he's kind of a kitten still. He's only a year and a half. He's been in the in but behind my videos loads he break, breaks my lego models and everything so you know i i, I appreciate uh i appreciate what um what's going on um so yeah you've got i mean i'm i'm getting excited about that tiny bit of snow outside in my garden but you are currently you've got a lot of snow haven't you yeah this is i've been in austin texas since 1996 and basically we'll get snow maybe one day every two or three years yeah and it might quarter inch to an inch and then it's gone in an hour or two because the ground's generally warmer sure yeah this is a freak snowstorm um and we went from having just light dust dusting of snow that was just cute yeah to uh, a snowbank up against my back fence that was 10 to 12 inches high there was snow packed on top of my truck that was in the 8 to 10 I think wow. we got about four or five inches here. It's all dry. It won't really pack very well, but yeah. it's uh, the, the the puppy went out and played in it and loved <laughs> loved yeah. it. So that was nice. So we had the light sprinkling. So there's a chance then. There's a chance that we could get the the. the well, no, there's not. There's not. We look, we generally don't get anything down here. Uh, the problem is, is you know, I, I posted about the snow and the temperature and everything else, and my friends who are let's say more northerly on our globe. Yep. Uh, decided to say well that's not that cold and that's not that much snow and i'm like yes but you live in canada and you live in northern united states so you have snow plows you have salt trucks and by the way you probably have clothes because this happens to you all the time yeah. i don't have any winter gloves i don't have a winter coat i'm, I'm lucky i have hats because I, I made some myself yeah uh austin has no way to deal with this and so the city just shuts down and it's going to be a difficult winter or a difficult week because we're not going to be above freezing until like Saturday morning, I think. Sure. Um, there are unfortunately people who are, who are going to die from this, whereas they probably wouldn't have elsewhere. That is exactly like the South Coast. Like, honestly, we shut down. Any bit of snow, we shut down. And all the people up north, like cats, they call us Southern Softies because we can't deal with it. 
Well, let them come. Well, I don't know. Maybe you can come down and get sunburned someday. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. They can't deal with that. They can't deal with the heat, can they? Um, anyway, so Matt, you are, I mean, you, you're, you're a host of the Atheist Experience. Um, I mean, most of us probably do watch it, the people that are involved in watching my channel and listening to the podcast. But what were the circumstances surrounding you getting involved with that? Because um, you were religious yourself once, weren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I was actually, I had kind of ignored religion for a few years and then some things happened and I decided, I thought God was punishing me and wanted me because I, I, I thought I was supposed to be a preacher and so did my parents and so did the people in my church. So much so that decades later when I was doing a debate on the resurrection at the Austin Baptist Church, people from the church that I attended as a teenager flew down to Austin to attend the debate and ask me what the hell happened because wow. they were expecting me to go on and be this champion for Jesus. Uh, but I, I, I thought God was punishing me and I sought to be the best Christian I could be. And it turns out um, the best Christian you can be is evidently an atheist. Uh, and that's, that's where I landed and uh, started working with the, the show thing was kind of an accident. I was writing for some websites and kind of doing counter debate. There was a, there was a terrible kind of almost editorial free easing called useless knowledge. And there was a guy who would post under the pseudonym Skip to Malou, and he would post a sermon regularly, like every couple of days. Here's a passage from the Bible. Here's a sermon. And what I did was I would go and post a counter sermon using the exact same passage. The point being that depending on how you read this, it can be made to say many different things. Nice. And so I was just constantly posting those counter sermons and somebody at work said, Hey, there's this TV show on public access here in Austin that you might want to watch. It's called the Atheist Experience, and I and I, I was like, "What do you mean? Oh, it's a bunch of atheists. They do the same stuff you do." And I I said to the person who messaged me about or told me about it at work, I was like, "Why would I want to watch a show with a bunch of people I already agree with?" <laughs> and that's when they told me that it was a call-in show. And I was like, "All right." So I, I Jeff D happened to live in my apartment complex. He was one of the co-hosts. He had put a flyer up. I happened to get the flyer on Sunday, tuned in, watched, called. They asked me to the after show. A week later, I'm screening calls. A couple of weeks later, I'm you know doing other things on the show. And then all of a sudden, I'm uh, filling in for somebody. And then I'm the host. And then I'm the president and the host. And yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, so you basically did the written version of what Cats and I do, like debunking videos. You did the written version on on religious stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, awesome. we didn't have YouTube at the time. Yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. Um, I mean, it's massive now, isn't it? The atheist experience. Um, I I regularly dip in when I'm winding down at the end of the day. Did you ever think it would become this big? Oh, I don't. I don't think any of us had any, any idea that anything was going to become this big. We started streaming pretty much as quickly as we could because we knew that. You know, they didn't even have an internet access at the studio when we started doing it. We used uh, cell phones oh. to stream at the lowest res possible nice. yeah. and. It was because at that time, podcasts were just starting to be a thing. And I think um, uh, Reginald Finley had done kind of his own podcast at his own website. So it was separate from everything else. And there wasn't a unified platform yet. We started in YouTube. Uh, we just, you know, wanted to keep going and it grew and grew. And I, I'm, don't be wrong, I'm glad it did because eventually, uh, well, everything I do with the ACA I'm, is volunteer. Nobody gets paid. Well, there are three employees, but. I don't get paid and have never been paid. As a matter of fact, I spend a lot of money on the ACA. I built <laughs> yeah. uh, the computers and the microphones and the lights and all this stuff and uh, helped to get the building set up. And then people who actually knew what they were doing 
like Vern and Greg and Mark came in and improved everything that I had done. But uh, working on the show, it was just, I'm, I'm, I know there's a podcast coming up where somebody wants me to come on and talk about why I do what I do. And the answer is simple. I, I don't know how to not do what I do. Yeah. It's almost an obsession. Yeah, I can see that. So, so I, I made a, a video a while back after I had a debate with Kent Hoban that in the video, I used the word atheist and I sparked some massive debate in the comment section of the video that I didn't even know was a debate. And it was about how the word atheist was used and how to properly define it. And it was an argument I didn't really understand at the time coming, you know, new into the scene was a, a big, a big deal. And since then I've read about your gumball analogy, et cetera, but I know there's going to be people like me who've been listening, who, who don't understand um, that there is this big debate or argument or ne necessity to properly clarify that term atheist. Can you just, for people like me, just fill us in on that? Sure. It's actually not, I mean, it's, it's not a particularly important debate, but it does really get some people's, you know, hackles up a little bit, but so the easiest thing is that if you're going to use propositional logic for anything, then you begin with, here's a proposition, X is true, and then either you accept it or you reject it. But if you reject it, that doesn't mean you think X is false. And the example that I use with gumballs is that if you had a, a jar full of gumballs um, and we're only counting whole gumballs, we know that the number, if you were to count them, is either even or odd, because those are the only options. And so if you come to me and you say, hey, there's an even number of gumballs in there, and I say, I don't believe that, that doesn't mean that I'm convinced the number is odd. It just means you haven't yet convinced me. And it, it doesn't mean I've picked a middle ground where I believe both or disbelieve both. Um, I, I do not accept either one yet. And so that's the difference. And, and to me, this is the core of skepticism because people view skepticism as if it's cynicism and naysaying and you just run around, oh, there is no God and there isn't this and you're just, and the reality is skepticism is open-minded it is about trying to uh, test to verify claims. And if they, if you fail to, like when, when James, when Amazing Randy did the million dollar challenge, if somebody went up and said they could do something, we tested them. Um, not we with me, but we as a community. The, if they failed, that doesn't mean that we can say, ah, dowsing is bullshit. I mean, you, you just can't. Because all you could say is that on this day, in that way, this person could not produce the effect that they said. And so the bigger question becomes, how many of those tests should we go through before we could say dowsing is BS? I Maybe never, but we can reach a point where we could say, I don't think we need to bother testing anybody else until they come up with something new. But yeah, on the atheism thing, there are people who view agnosticism as if it's a middle ground. There are people who view atheism as if it's only the assertion there are no gods. And my view is that um, there are a number of different usages for the term and absolutely none of them mean that you believe that there's a God and that should be enough. Thanks. Thanks for getting that up. Sure. Um, in terms of the people that come on the show, I mean, are they a first come first serve basis or are they genuinely the best of a bad bunch? Well, that's the thing is we don't, we don't cherry pick anybody uh, other than the call screeners know we prioritize theist callers. Okay. And so on any given day, we've got, I think, maybe 15 lines available or something like that. And people show up and call in and the screeners talk to them and theists always go to the head of the line. And we screen out, believe it or not, 
the worst ones, the ones that are completely incoherent, the ones that we know if we put them on air, they're just going to be mocked. Yeah. Um, we try to screen them out. We want somebody who can at least string a couple sentences together. And sometimes they can do it for a call screener and then shut down once they're actually live. Um, and, and a lot of times what they've told a call screener, they'll try to talk about something else entirely. But there are atheists who call in on a regular basis and never get on the air because they sit on hold through the whole show. Because while I'm happy to talk to atheists about stuff, and I think that our shows and our community um, do a lot to help atheists deal with things and point people to recoveringfromreligion.org and other things. I, I want theists calling in. I want them to make the best defense for their position so that it can either be uh, accepted or boom, we're done with this God thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you're right. Like the ones that I've seen quite a lot, you have spent quite a bit of time discussing morality and the concept that atheists can be moral without any need to impress anyone why do religious people find it so hard to believe that most atheists can be moral for the sake of being a good person? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how close we get to most because I remember, and I, I'm a little reluctant to use this example, but my dad um, never f thought that I couldn't be moral. He just thinks that I'm moral because of Jesus and because of my upbringing. He doesn't, you know, and he doesn't understand and couldn't possibly have any of the philosophical arguments along those lines. The truth is that by and large for religious people who think that way, it's because they've been indoctrinated to. And honestly, I have an uncle who is a medical doctor, who was a missionary, a medical missionary to Thailand when I was growing up. He is the most educated person in our family. He is, you know, everybody in the family. Oh, he's the most spiritually wise person, all this other stuff. And I kid you not, when he found out I was an atheist, he came at me with Pascal's wager <laughs> and when I was talking to him before I became an atheist, I said, hey, I have this roommate who's an atheist uh, and I feel compelled to, to talk to him about Jesus and salvation. And I don't know how to do that. And he said, well, ask him where he gets his morality from because without a God to serve as an absolute foundation for morality, anything is permissible. And at the time I bought that. I was like, wow, that's brilliant. Why didn't I think about that? And I left. And then when I thought about it, I was like, that's not brilliant at all. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not even close. It's, I'm at the point now where when somebody asks me, how can you be good without God? I ask them, how can you be good with God? Yeah. Because I don't see goodness coming from religion. I see mistreatment of people. I see the notion of sin and her. All of these things. If you have a God that says the, you know, the Jews are my chosen people. And, you know, I've only come to the, the law sheep of the house of Israel. Well, that's racist. Yeah. Um, so with the, with the moral thing, I don't know how you stand on it, cats, but when we make our, we make our videos, and we have a bash of flat earthers and things like that. We get so much vitriol in the comments from religious flat earthers saying we're the devil. Uh, you know, we, we, we're not moral people. And that, that genuinely annoys me because I know I'm a moral person. I try and live the best life I can live. And the, I mean, we'll get into a bit more when we talk about the flat earthers, but how how common is that on the, I mean, I can only imagine the comments on the Atheist Experience YouTube channel. Do you get a lot of vitriol through there? Well, I, I don't get as much as people might suspect. 
Okay. Like people would be like, oh, well, you, you should go and read your hate mail the way Dawkins does. And <laughs> I, I was like, you know, I, I get some. Normally, like every now and then, I've I spent quite a bit of the last year actually on the phone with the FBI and other organizations because there were actual threats being made against people involved with the show, wow. but also people involved elsewhere in the atheist community. Um, by and large, I don't get accusations. I mean, it's kind of like a last resort. Like I've been in debates with people and then when they realize they're not doing well, it's, well, you don't have a foundation for morality. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, let me pull out this tired old canard and see how that does. And I'm like, yeah, I do actually. Uh, And you know what, what's more is you and I actually agree. We both care about the well-being of humans. I don't see any evidence that your God cares about the well-being of humans. There's no, there's no case to be made that any of God's rules are necessarily in our best interest at all because God doesn't care in Christianity, at least with this life, this life's just a place to wipe your feet and be tested or tried for the next life. The next life's the one that matters. Yeah. And it, in, in, in the Bible is like, you know, this life is like dirty rags. And so how, how can you say that your God is, is caring about human beings? And plus look at the rules. Don't wear mixed fabrics. Don't eat shellfish. Don't pick up sticks yeah. on Sunday. None of those make any sense, even to toddlers. Or yeah. I mean, the, from toddlers all the way to you know, serious ethicists, those rules don't make sense. And so the best they can say is, "Well, God's in charge, and those are the rules, and we don't understand why, but it must be good." Well, that's flawed. You just began with an assumption. You assume that God is good, and therefore you as- and then, then you assume that God said something, and then your conclusion is that something must be good. You started with two flawed assumptions. Yeah. You got you got to be able to do better than that, especially. Here's the secret. There is not a single objection that can be, to, as far as I can tell, or has ever been raised to secular moral views that is in any way solved by appealing to a God. Because if they say, oh, what's your foundation? Well, I'll say, you know, well-being. Ah, well, my foundation's God. Okay. Well, well-being is a real thing. I don't see any evidence that a God is. Well, how do you solve conflicts, atheist? You know, you know, you sitting here, what are you going to do? Uh, and I'm like, how do you solve conflicts? Because if you tell me God doesn't want me to have sex with a man, um, well, first of all, I don't know that there is a God. I don't know that God said this. So all I've heard is somebody else telling me what they think God says yeah. at best. And even if God had said it, why does that make it right? There's no solution here. Oh, how do we solve conflicts? I'll tell you, through secular moral systems, we solve them through debate, discussion, and data. And for something like Christianity, it's through conquest, conversion, and coercion. Spot on. Yeah. Well, one of the best things I've ever seen was um, Stephen Fry in an interview, and, and the, the host asked him, what would you say to God if, it, if he turned out to be real uh, after you'd passed? And he just, he just completely ripped in a new one about why is there so much suffering and all of this and something about the, the 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 life cycle of a fly that buries its f- through children's eyes like why you could yes. e- you could easily have made an existence where that doesn't happen why do that um but yeah you're absolutely spot on with that yeah a lot of the a lot of the apologists will argue that this is the best of all possible worlds that god yeah. by virtue of its perfection um must necessarily have created the best of all possible worlds and so everything that we see is a failing like you and i could look at this and say okay um let's make it so that this creature that burrows into eyes uh, doesn't exist. Let's just remove just that one thing. Yeah. Well, the whole of the universe would crumble because it needs to be. And I'm like, hang on, where do these limitations on God's power come yeah. from? Why is it that God, and by the way, these are the same people who think that God has created another place 
called heaven where everything is perfect and we will all be. Why not create us all there at the beginning? And if he knows who's going to end up there, why not create those people in heaven and leave the rest of us out of his mess? It doesn't make sense. You're right. It absolutely doesn't. Um, I've been intrigued ever since I've discovered you, Matt, where you'd place yourself on the Dawkins scale. Um, for those that don't know, the Dawkins scale is, is like a uh, what your belief is in terms of religion, and it, and it starts at strong theist and it ends as strong atheist. Um, I'm going to guess, I think you'd put yourself as de facto atheist. Well, it's like a one to seven on the Dawkins scale. Yeah, First so all, I think you're six. I, I, I would put myself at 6.5-ish ah, okay. or whatever. Okay. Uh, which the thing is, I reject the scale. Yeah. I think uh, that is, if you, from theist to atheist, um, I can appreciate that there's a spectrum and a confidence level, but it's not, e those are two separate propositions. God exists, God does not exist. Sure. You can reject both of them. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, okay. All right. I'll, but if I'll I had to use, like I said before, <laughs> if I had to use Dawkins scale, I'm like 6.5, 6.9, whatever it is that is not absolute. Completely. Yeah. That's what I, I suspected. I don't see a path to absolute certainty for anything. That's what I suspected. Yeah. I think any, any rational thinking atheist would, would say, yeah, we can't hundred percent say no until it's proven otherwise. I think that's, that's fair. Well, I, I would say we can't hundred percent say no to anything ever. I don't see Absolutely. any path to absolute certainty ever anywhere. Yeah. Like we hundred percent, uh, I might be a curiosity for <laughs> yeah yeah um we I recently watched a video of uh, an episode of you chatting with a guy called Connor I know you said you probably didn't remember this but he was trying to debunk atheism um did they tell you who he was afterwards I don't know if you remember it was it wasn't I, that I don't long remember ago. the call it was but, about two weeks uh, ago so and you wouldn't let him people he was trying to give his ahead. definition of God he was trying to give his definition of God and, and kind of he was saying that you weren't letting him um He's a YouTuber with about two and a half million subscribers who basically got famous for taking his top off in front of girls. That was how he, that was how Connor he got his Murphy. subscribers. Yeah, Connor Murphy. Yeah, you know him. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I know him, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of stopped doing that now. And he's, I don't know, what does he do now? He's like a, he's found, um, he's found Christianity and he's kind of doing loads of videos that are not related at all to what his 2.5 million subscribers subscribed to him for. Uh, and I wonder if they told you afterwards who he was, because he's quite a big, big YouTuber. No, this is the first time hearing of it. So sometimes if someone calls in under a pseudonym, like there are some people who are regular callers and I'm not always the best at identifying a voice, but yeah, somebody in chat will say, oh, this is Canadian Catholic or whoever. And then we'll find out afterwards it was right. I don't remember the call with Connor. Um, I... I, and I don't know who he is. So here's somebody with a couple million subscribers who's calling into the show and not happy with me. And I, ha I still have no cl yeah. clue who they are. Um, because genuinely, I, I don't, when I'm planning for debates, I don't care who the opponent is. Sure. And when I'm on the show, all I want is somebody who's willing to have a good discussion. But what's happened most frequently, and I'm starting to call it out more specifically, is if I'm sitting here asking a question and it's a yes or no question, or please do your definition, and they talk about something else, I'm done. Yeah, I, I, I have 10 callers waiting, and if you can't get to your definition, I need to hang up. You need to go rework it. Call in another week. I've been doing this for yeah. 15 years. It's I've not like that. you're only going to get one shot. Yeah. Yeah, and he, that's exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to define uh, his definition of God and he was hashing up big time and you were losing patience quite quickly with him. 
Uh, we're gonna get. I'll tell you what. We're gonna get cats. Cats, you're gonna call up pretending to be Kent Hovind, right? That's what. That's what your job is gonna be for the next. Uh, you got to master Kent Hovind's uh, uh, accent, and you've got to call up pretending to be Kent. That's your job. <laughs> I, I will. I will try that. I'll see. Yeah. I will. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll make a promise now. I will yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, how valuable, Matt? Do you think uh, something like the atheist experience is to people who want to leave a religion? You touched on it earlier, didn't you? It depends. There are people who believe for different reasons. When I first got involved in this, part of it was I wanted to find a way to explain to my parents why I didn't believe anymore. Yeah. And I, what I realized really quickly uh, is the naivete of suggesting that there's some silver bullet argument or something like that. Because the truth is people believe for many different reasons and they're going to give it up for many different reasons, depending on, you know, what they hear and interact. And that's why we have the same conversations over and over and over again. So some people are going to benefit directly from watching the atheist experience, especially if they hear a caller that has the, the same views and arguments that they mm -hmm. do, because the caller is unlikely to change their mind at all. We know that even presented with factual evidence that specifically debunks your claim, if you've made a public profess, profession of your position, you're more likely to double down. Yeah you are less likely to change your mind once you are under the spotlight. And so I'm not talk targeting the person on the phone. I'm targeting the per people who are listening who agree with that person on the phone because they will feel empathetically the, the embarrassment of having those bad arguments shot down, but they won't have the trappings of being in the spotlight. Sure, yeah. And now they're free to change their mind. I think, would you agree with me, Katz? That's very much how we feel when we're taking on Flat Earthers, isn't it? We're not specifically going for the person who's doing the video. It's the 10, 20, 30,000 who are watching that video. Would you agree with that, Katz? Absolutely. You get them You get them in the comments section. They're yeah. the people you're speaking to, you know, who, who are supporting their champion in the debate, if you like. Yeah. And it's for them to see that the person that you're debating actually doesn't have an argument. It's not. There's nothing sound on which they're basing their debate on. Yeah. I mean, cats and I spend a lot of our time going off for Earthers and the space deniers. Have you had much experience with them in in the show or in general? I'm sorry, you broke up with who? With flat Earthers and space deniers. Very rarely. Now, granted, I've watched both of you uh, various times going going after it. We the atheist the atheist community of Austin produces a bunch of different shows. So, in addition to the atheist experience and talk heathen, um, there's also secular sexuality, and there's also on Friday night a show called Truth Wanted. Uh, Dan. Earls is the, the host of that. He's going to be on with me um, this coming Sunday on AXP. He gets more calls about, well, the, I think the last show, they spent most of their time on chemtrails and the, the various websites this guy was pointing to. And, and they just kept, I, I think one of the things we, we really need to do, we need to get people more comfortable with saying, I don't know. Yep. Um, and with pe people recognizing that just because you see something and you read it, on a website um, doesn't mean that you found anything from anybody who knows any more about it than you do. You have to, you know, let's verify the credentials of people. Let's look at the, the facts because at the end of the day, it wouldn't matter if 20 of the most prestigious scientists on the world in, in, in the world said the earth is flat. You still would not have good reason to believe that it's flat. You would yeah. have more good reason to believe that they've lost their minds. And so they've actually got to come with the evidence that backs that up. And the same thing uh, happens in the God debate. And the curious thing is, is that it's worse. I, I'm, I, I am amazed 
at the the life you guys live. Now I I deal with theists all the time, and uh, I'm under attack at all the all the time. But I would have when I started doing this 15 plus years ago. If you'd have said that in 2021 we would be dealing with a a, a slew of flat earthers, I, I would have laughed. Yeah, this is not where I thought the world could end up. But I also didn't think Trump would be president, and I also yeah. wow. you know this there's something really wrong not with my understanding of the facts of reality but with my understanding of humans People, in yeah. reality yeah what you said there reminded very much of something ricky gervais has said about um how a christian is almost as atheistic as i am because they don't believe i don't believe in f about five thousand gods and they don't believe in four thousand nine hundred ninety nine gods yeah uh, so it's quite similar there on, on that front with, with the with the flat earthers um a lot of them a lot of flat earthers are religious. I would say a large percentage, cats, wouldn't you say? Uh, pretty large definitely, percentage. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I'm baffled at the ones that aren't. Uh, oh, well, uh, I think a lot that aren't are UK based. So we often find that most American flat earthers are religious. The UK based ones normally aren't. Maybe that's just because of the culture over here. Uh, but some of, the, some of the flat earthers that are religious, they cite evidence from the Bible uh, that the earth is flat. Does that surprise you much, knowing what you know? <laughs> nah, it, it only surprises me that, so let, let's look at it from something simple. Pascal's wager is a horribly flawed argument. It puts Christianity up against atheism yeah. as if those are the only two options. Yeah. It's broken at every single turn. And yet I've been hearing it over and over again for years. And that's because for somebody, it's the first time they've heard it. Yeah. And, or they were indoctrinated and they found this. The same thing happens, I think, and I don't deal with them as much as you guys do with conspiracy theories in general. For me, when I look at flat earthers, I see the same sort of Alex Jones conspiracy theorists who are bucking authority. They're not gonna believe what NASA has to say. They're not gonna believe what the news has to say. They're not gonna believe what the government has to say. They, they think that, you know, oh, you got a Nobel prize. Well, that's all rigged too. And, you know, there's a, a cabal of scientists who are trying to shut this down. And they don't realize quite often that the amount of collusion and deception that needs to take place in order to hold up a conspiracy yeah. of that magnitude yeah. is it's obviously self-defeating. And I think that what's happened, I hope that you guys are successful in reaching some of them and getting them to realize this, but because now this has got momentum, well, I don't think we're going to be done with flat earth anytime soon. No, I think you're uh, right. I think Katz has had a good success. He, he bought quite a, quite a big, in terms of making content, this guy made quite a lot of flat earth content, didn't he? And you managed to, to pull him back, didn't you? Yeah, he makes makes anti-flat earth content now. But uh, you have just sparked a good... Do you mind if I just chuck a question in here? Yeah, then? go for it, mate. Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, my, my time is your time until the puppy tears up the, everything yeah. in the house and then I got to go. <laughs> with, you, with you talking about belief and believing in flat earth or believing in God, except, do you do you think that belief is a choice? And by that, I mean the people who are believing in God do you think that they they believe in God because their brain has processed all their experiences and that's just a, a result of the brain process, if you like, that now they believe it? Or do you think the belief is a choice and then there's that cognitive dissonance with, you know, do they understand the things that defy that? I don't think we choose any belief in any simple sense. I think that if you define belief as I do, which is uh, a belief in X is the state of being convinced that X is likely true, or I, sometimes I'll say true or likely true. 
Um, and it just gets, that's just there for the people who think that you can be absolutely certain and I don't. Um, but beliefs are the result of becoming convinced. Now you can become convinced for good reasons or bad reasons. And if you become convinced for bad reasons, one of the bad reasons is you can think that you chose this, but when you walk someone through, you know, like choose to think you can fly, choose to think gravity doesn't work on you. Obviously those things you can't just do. What you can do to some extent is choose to act as if you believe and choose to profess a belief. And so I can say, I'm, I'm, let's say I'm married again and I'm convinced that my spouse is faithful. I became convinced for reasons. Those reasons could be good or bad, but I can choose to act as if I believe they're unfaithful. I can choose to take those actions to what, um, let me paraphrase, let me, let me put in a disclaimer here. To whatever extent we can in fact choose anything, because I don't want to get into the, do we have free will and what type and all that. I think you can choose how you act, um, what you do on behalf of those beliefs. But when you, if, if you define belief as the state of being convinced that X is likely true, I don't think you can choose that. I think the closest you can come is to the state of acting as if you believe that something is true. Thank you. Um, sure. Uh, a new study here in the UK by the Nottingham Trent University has found that 14, the age 14, is the peak age for believing in conspiracy theories. And I want to tie this in a little bit with religion as well. I mean, it doesn't tie in with Flat Earth to me because I assume it's because of the relative young age of that theory. Um, but logic and reason are key components in our arsenal to deflect conspiracy theories. Um, is this research a result of a lack of development of these skills? Or would you say it's more social media the real issue? And and does that age seem to tie in with you as well for religion? This is interesting because I'm not familiar with the study. It's fairly And new. the second you, you, you mentioned it, it, um, it prompted thoughts in my head that you then touched on later. I don't know what the methodology was for the study, but it may be that what we're seeing is that the mental acuity understanding and every it, that, that one has at 14 may be maintained to like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. Maybe these people are intellectually stuck at the equivalent of what is 14 in some regard, not in every regard sure. uh, in that study. I think that is a, a, a really good explanation in the same way that we could do the, a similar study to say, at what age do children stop having invisible friends? And so you find out what that average age is. And then you find out there's a 28 year old that believes in an invisible friend. And I don't mean Jesus. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the same way we do it, anything else. Would it be fair to say that this 28 year old is, is effectively on this issue and perhaps related issues uh, stuck at the equivalent age of, you know, a five-year-old. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I don't view that as an insult. I mean, it's either a factor it's not because there are things in my life where I'm a five-year-old, I undeniable. Like when this puppy is out <laughs> running in the yard, I'm a five-year-old. It's like yay until it gets too cold, and then all of a sudden I'm a grumpy fifty-one-year-old, and it's like <laughs> get your ass inside the house. And I, I think that it's. I don't try to sum up the entirety of somebody's character in a word. There are people who I think are genuinely awful, like Trump. Yeah, and then there are people who I think uh, have the capacity. Well, I think even Trump has the capacity for good and everything else. When it comes to intellectual issues, 
there's a lot going on there. What were you indoctrinated with? What were you taught? What have you been exposed to? Not just the facts, but the process. We don't teach skepticism. We don't teach critical thinking. We don't teach people how to look at claims and say, hmm, do I have a good reason to believe this? And I think that has to start happening. Uh, you, you're probably still, you, you will always have people who believe things yeah. for bad reasons or who are irrational. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm keenly interested in the study and I'm, I have no expertise in the area, but I will say that my knee jerk reaction when you read it was, yeah, I think some of these flat earthers, some of these religious folks are on some level in some way stuck at 14. Yeah. I mean, we, I find that, especially flat earthers in a, on an educational sense, cats, you'd probably agree with me in terms of like their physics background and things like that. It doesn't pass much in terms of that age group. Does it? Their, their understanding of the no. science. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I'm debating them and, I, you know, obviously being a teacher in schools, we know the, the exact years that they're, they're going to learn certain concepts. And and very often, you know, the, they're at the level of a 12, 13 year old child, if that, Cats, you know, on, on trigonometry. And- yeah. Katz is very clever at, um, when he's debating, at making, yes, a, making a point that the certain thing he's talking about is taught by a certain age group. Um, and he, he, he tends to get it in quite a lot, don't you? <laughs> like, well, you know, I'm not making a thing of it, but this we teach this to 11-year-olds here in the UK, so, you know, you should be understanding this. <laughs> I'm, I'm, curious like that. I'm curious if we can actually relate that, like, in the UK, obviously, you've got C of E, and while you, you do have some religion taught in school and it doesn't necessarily violate your constitution. Whereas we have a different here. Religion is still taught in school, but yeah. it absolutely violates our constitution. So we're trying to oppose it because they're essentially preaching. I wonder if cats could sit down with and listen to callers calling into the atheist experience and write down their argument and exactly how they word it and go, this is a seventh grade. Yeah. This is a fourth grade. This is an 11, you know, yeah. we teach this to 13 year olds. <laughs> if you, if you are over 12 and you still think and and talk the way this caller does, we need to help you. Uh, that sounds brilliant. Yeah. I, I genuinely don't take pleasure in smacking people around or embarrassing people or, or, or everything else, but I don't make outgoing calls. People call in. I don't, ask them, well, I do, we do ask them to, but I mean, they took it upon themselves to call in, which means they were really proud and, and thought that they had it. And on, on some occasions, like there was one occasion where a guy had his mom call in and I basically cussed the guy out because Oof. it felt like rather than having a conversation with his own mom, he was setting his mom up to be embarrassed on live TV. Yeah. And I, and it pissed me off and I went after him. We had an email back and forth afterwards and I have since apologized to him because the truth is he'd been going at her and trying to defend this and was making no progress and had referenced me. And his mom was like, well, I'll talk to him. And I'm like, all right. So you <laughs> didn't set your mom up. Your mom set yourself yeah. up. Yeah. So apologies, but I, I definitely, I don't want anybody trying to, I, I go, I try to make sure I don't go negative first. I try to make sure I don't get hostile first. doesn't ha- happen all the time. Sometimes I get frustrated. Um, and I had a show a few weeks ago where we, Johnny and I had a bet and we had an impartial uh, judge behind the scenes to see if we could get through the whole show without either of us losing our zen, losing our cool, whatever at all. I won 
Uh, we, we had a $50 bet on it, I think it was. I won because we both stayed calm, but he made a face at a caller and I didn't. Uh. <laughs> and so the judge went to that for the tiebreaker. But the thing is, after it was over, people didn't enjoy it quite as much. I can imagine. Yeah. They, they want to tune in and they want to see, because there are people who view these, the people calling into the atheist experience as if they are dishonest, stupid, you know, et cetera. And I view them as if they are confused. My IQ didn't go up when I stopped believing. I was, by the way, I was a fundamentalist Christian until I was like 30 or 31. My IQ didn't go up. In fact, it, given what we know about IQ, which I don't really care about IQ at all anyway, but given what we know about it, it's probably gone down. Um, the, the notion that this is purely a matter of intelligence is clearly wrong. Yeah. There are other things that are guiding people to conspiracy theories, to religion, to superstition, to the supernatural beliefs. And that's why we need many different approaches. We need me being in a respectable debate and maintaining my cool. We need me and perhaps other people's to be a little more hard hitting or no, 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 you're done. Or that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Goodbye. And we need other people like Magda Bosco, you, you know, using street epistemology along with Dan Earls and others to say, Hey, have you thought about this and ask the questions? Use the, you, we're all using versions of the Socratic method. It's just some are more forceful. Yeah. And the reason for that, I think is this, our brains are pattern recognition machines. And so the first time we hear something that's strange, we just go, well, that's strange. And the second time we hear it, it's, hey, I've heard that before. And the third time, now there's a pattern. And so if you were brought up with a God belief and all of a sudden you meet your first atheist, wow, those people are weird. <laughs> and you meet your second atheist and it's like, oh, I know another one. And then you meet your third atheist and it's like, hang on a minute, people don't believe the stuff that I believed. And it, and it takes that. And so all three of us, let's say pick me, Arn Ra, who's definitely more raw than oh, I yeah, am, definitely. and Anthony Magnabosco. And all three of us could go to the same person and say the same thing in the same tone. And maybe I'm more successful because they like bald guys. Maybe Arn's more successful because they're afraid of the undertaker. <laughs> uh, maybe Magnabosco is more successful because he's, you know, calmly going along. Or maybe the first person's going to be unsuccessful and the second or third one will rely on the seeds planted previously and be more successful then. So I want as many different approaches by as many different people as possible because I don't want to be doing this by myself. I know I'm going to have job security for the rest of my life, but yeah. I'd like to maybe, I want to know, a generation or two down the road have nobody doing what I'm doing and what yeah. you're doing, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I completely agree. Uh, we're, I mean, we're, it's funny, we're the ones working to put ourselves out of a job. Yeah, we are. We absolutely are. And and Flat Earth is is dying on its legs at the moment, isn't it, Cats? Oh, it's, it's not doing so well in the old Google Trends, is yeah. it? It's at an all-time, well, not an all-time low, but is it past, past five-year low at the minute? It's past a five-year low, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to try and mm. look at the anti-evolution stuff a bit more because there's loads of people like that. Um, that'll be endless. Um, right, it's time for Guess the Conspiracy. Yay! I'm hoping that the joke of that jingle is not lost on Matt. Um, so uh, the, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's seven, is it seven four? I'm always forgetting the score. Cats, you remember the score. Is it seven four to us? It, it it is seven four, yeah. Seven four yeah. to we'll us. Pull so one back last week. A bit of pressure, Matt. You've got to you've got to pull so one wait. back for the guests. 
So, so for clarity, you bring guests on yep. and then you present them with a number of potential conspiracies. Mm -hmm. And then my job is to see which one is the actual conspiracy theory that people believe it's been presented by a real live human. Yep. And the other two are completely And then you fabricated. guys claim victory if I'm wrong and then go tell the next person to score is eight to four you. Uh, maybe, yes. it may be, it may be. <laughs> so, All right, let's do it. So that's exactly right. Cats and I have both come up with a, with a fake conspiracy theory. There's going to be one that is real in that someone actually believes it and it's Matt's job to try and figure out which the real one is. So here we go. Number one. Two years ago, there was a massive solar flare that slipped everyone on Earth into a parallel dimension. That's, uh, that's number one. Uh, number two, the United States is only half the size we're told because planes only fly at half the speed we think they do. That's number two. And number three, Niagara Falls has a secret Illuminati base behind it where they control the world's media and governments. So there we go. Okay, and only one of those is real. Only one, one of those is real that people believe the other two are fabricated by myself and cats. And so one of you fabricated one, one of you fabricated the other, mm -hmm. and one of them is real. Spot on. Mm -hmm. Now, right now, the score of you guys versus guests is seven to four. Seven to four, yeah. But, it, mm -hmm. but if I correctly got which one was a conspiracy and told you which one came from Dan and which one came from Katz, would that be three points? Oh, I tell you, he's changing that. I'll tell you what, I'll give you a bonus point if you get both right. Which you obviously right, will. Which you obviously will. Them right. <laughs> if you if you get the right one, and you predict which one it is from Cats and I, I'll give you two points instead of one. How about that? That's fair. It's it's brilliant too because, like, I'm mostly going to be guessing. <laughs> what am I, who am I fooling? By the way, I just I'm completely guessing. I just want to add in here that Chris Lintott, Professor Chris Lintott of Oxford University of the BBC Sky at Night, said that my conspiracy was genius the one that i made up so that's what you're fighting against <laughs> i think that the i okay i i'm gonna lie and say i think that this is the right when i don't i'm i'm legit just guessing okay. because one of the things is that it's difficult to parody and all of us have had people say the most bizarre crazy stuff to us yeah so i'm gonna guess that the real one is that the niagara falls holds this uh, hides a secret base for the Illuminati and that Dan's is the solar fire parallel dimension and Katz is that the US is only half the size we're told. Okay, and that's your final answer. That That's it. I got them yeah. all wrong, I'm sure. Okay, here we go. Oh, it's 8-4. We've pulled it. I'll tell you what, I mean, no offense, but you couldn't have been more wrong with that. So <laughs> Sweet. So that uh, means that... <laughs> so the the real one is the US is only half the size uh, that, that we are told because planes only fly at half the speed. That is the real conspiracy theory. That's a conspiracy theorist called Jason Maggard. He put it on his YouTube channel. Um, the whole works. I came up with the Niagara Falls one and Katz came up with the solar flare one. I got them all wrong. Yeah. And didn't I predict that I would get them all wrong? You did in your defense, but you don't get a point for predicting that you would get them wrong. So. I don't care about points. <laughs> I was just I was trying to defend the honor of all the people that you're going to be up against in the future. Well, I think there's a that was fun. There's what, I think there's conspiracy theory here because, like, when you sit a multiple choice test at school, if you get every single one wrong, you must know the answers because statistics would say that, that that's not possible. So I think you did get a sus, and there's some mind games going on. Potentially, it's, it's the same game. I've, I I do this a lot because when I'm doing magic shows and things, uh, and I toured U.S. and Canada with my magic skepticism show, and I did it in or a version of it in Glasgow and 
Cambridge. Um, <laughs> looking at this, I've completely lost what I was getting ready to say. My, <laughs> my brain just completely short circuited because I look at the, at the potentials there and I'm like, Oh, U S is only half the size we're told. That's probably not real because wouldn't they have said the earth is only half the size we're told. I mean, why, why be so specific about the United States? Uh, if the, so it's because my first question was if somebody came to me and said, Hey, the U S is only half the size we're told. Well, does that mean Canada's only half the size we're told? Because they share a border. I know, so. but that, there's no rhyme or reason with these conspiracy theorists. Theorists is there. The solar flare one, that's that's the sort of thing that I would expect because quite the, the ones that the, the conspiracy theories and the, the the BS crazy things that people come call into my show with um, tend to be the sort of things that generally aren't falsifiable. So okay. how would you ever show whether or not we've yeah. slipped into a parallel dimension? Yeah. And I almost picked that one as like the legit because we're constantly hearing about the Mandela effect, yep. which is not a real fucking thing. <laughs> uh, oh, and if you have to bleep me, bleep me. I don't, I didn't bother to ask. Oh, but, I will. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, I, 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 I went that route and then I was just like, nah, I'll just go with my gut and random it. I don't, did the same thing by the way, on, the, on the atheist experience when I predicted the Super Bowl. I predicted the winner, got it wrong. I predicted the final scores, got it wrong. And I predicted that both scores would have two digits in number, and I got that wrong. But I also predicted that I would get them all wrong, which makes it look like I got them right. Perfect. Perfect. I do it as well. I predict the football scores here in the UK, and I'm constantly getting it wrong. Um, so, yeah, don't worry. Anyway, Matt, it's been a fascinating chat. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, anyone who's not seen it, please do check out the Atheist Experience. It's great. Uh, you're on Twitter. Is it at Matt Dillahunty on Twitter? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You're. You're. We'll put. We'll put all the links in the bottom anyway. So if you just Google my name and spell it close to right, you'll probably find all the places that I am. Absolutely. Yeah. But we'll put the links in anyway. But anyway, thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate appreciate everyone listening. Uh, we are back next week with uh, a an oceanographer from the British Antarctic Survey. So cats, we're gonna we're gonna question him about the Antarctic Treaty and all that and see and he's also going to talk about the potential of uh, ocean currents existing on a flat earth and he's going to show how it can't be possible so yeah should be good but anyway thank you very much everyone please say goodbye goodbye thanks guys <laughs> bye bye and we'll see you next time bye bye <laughs>